True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And today we have a case called the Daniel Underwood case. And we are looking forward to covering this one. We became aware of Daniel's case because we did the Michael Chambers case. And in some of those groups, some people came forward and asked us to do an episode on Daniel. And we're more than happy to. Um, this is out of Sulphur Springs, Texas. And on this episode of True Crime Broads, we have Daniel's sweet mother on. And before we get into the interview, we're going to do what we always do. And we're going to read a review. This is from Jason Whitner. I recognize his name. He's yeah. in our Facebook group. Hey, yeah. Jason, thanks for the nice review. It's five stars. And it says, true crime at its best. Crystal and Renee are my source for all things Missy Beavers. They have kept the flame alive for six years and keep the extreme details coming we all want. Love listening to two local Ellis County gals who keep us entertained and informed. The dedication these two put into the show is amazing, with both being so busy outside of the show. Thank you for the billboard effort and all the great guests on the show. Can't wait to be a part of the show when the killer is finally caught. Cheers to you girls and keep them coming. Thank you, Jason. Wow, that was nice. And I love that part about the, when the killer's caught. That's right. That. Yeah, Jason, <laughs> we really appreciate your support and for being a, an active member of our Facebook group. If you would like to join our Facebook group, it's called Missy Beaver's True Crime Bras Discussion Group. Yeah. I finally got it right. And if you would like to follow us on social media, we would love to have you. We are on, uh, we have a Facebook page as well, and it's called True Crime Broads. And as you might guess, our Instagram is called True Crime Broads. We're on Twitter, same name. TikTok. TikTok, same <laughs> name, True Crime Broads. We don't mix up our name too much there, so you can find us. And we would love it if you would follow us, especially on Instagram and Facebook. We tend to kind of cater more to those platforms, but we're starting to branch out a little more. And um, Renee is going to tell us a little bit about the Daniel Underwood case, and then we'll get started. So Daniel uh, Ray Underwood was 33 when he died of a, shun, a shotgun wound to the head. Uh, it was September 4th of 2008. His uh, girlfriend, Rebecca Nelson, is uh, she calls 911 to say that her boyfriend has been shot. Um, and listen to the uh, clip right now. Oh, what's your emergency? He shot himself in the head? Golly, you can hear the, I mean, just uh, chaos in that phone, call, in that 911 call. And as she's interrogated, uh, of course, talked to about what had happened. And here's just a little piece of it, so you'll kind of know what to expect. He didn't say a word. He just bent over and shot. Yeah, so that's just a little piece of uh, this complex case. It really is complex, and we're just so grateful to have people on the show that know a little bit more about this case than we do. So stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy this episode of True Crime Broads. Progress. Okay, we are back from our break, and we have Daniel's mother, Donna Underwood, with us. Donna, thank you so much for spending some time with us here at True Crime Broads. We really appreciate it. We do. Thank you for having me. Thank you, and we're extremely sorry for what you've been through. I know this happened in Labor Day weekend of 2008. Did you want to tell us, um, we've kind of briefed our listeners on 
the just the basic facts. Did you want to tell us more about what happened that terrible weekend? Okay, uh, just starting from the phone call. That sounds good. Is that okay? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Um, it was about one twenty-four that night, and I got a call from Daniel's phone, and it was a uh, uh, woman's voice saying, calling me mom. And I'm like, you know, I had just walked through my daughter's room, and she's the only girl I had. So I was confused. You know, we just... I was trying to think what's going on. You know? Right. And and then uh, she told me that Daniel shot us up. And, you know, me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm hoping this is a foot, you know, whatever, you know. But I was just kind of in shock from that point. And uh, then we, we went up there, and um, the witnesses was not separated from anybody. They were... Um, in fact, Re- Rebecca come and uh, put her arm around me, and so they wasn't separated from from the others, you know. And it was kind of raining, misting, and it was like an hour, hour and I think it was like an hour and a half before they ever did, did DSR on her. And uh, they did find some on her, but. Uh, he, the investigator told me, because I asked him, I said, were her prints not on the gun? And did she not have any DSR on her? And he told me, no, that uh, she didn't. Well, I called him back and I said, was the gun even printed or anything? And he said, no. So um, that started out, you know, kind of weird like. And then the I picked up the open records when they closed it. He told me just within a day or two that uh, they were going to go with whatever the autopsy rules. And I'm sorry. And um, that's how it was going to be ruled. And I kind of, I know I kind of jump around. That's okay. No, that's okay. Was the person who called you late at night, was that Rebecca? Yes, it was from Daniel's phone. Wow. And she had a phone in her pocket. She, In fact, she had Daniel's in one pocket and hers in the other. So w- let me go back to the DSR. That, I kind of hop around because that's when I found things out. You know, I didn't right, find right. it out just in a row. So when I went to pick up the open records uh, on Daniel's case, I got to looking and the DSR was not even sent off. They had... They had actually sent it to DPS just within that day or two. And um, I, I meant DPS if I said it wrong. And um, they either didn't have time to do it or something, and they brought it back. Well, it wasn't sent back to Dallas till December the 30th, which was the same day I was picking up the open records. So even that wasn't, you know... Um, that's almost four just, months later. Yeah, it just kind of blowed my mind, you know. And um, she met us at the hospital. And she, I, t- I t- told her, I said, tell me what happened. And she said that she grabbed for Daniel's hand. And uh, the gun moved and got the side of his face. And, you know, I'm looking at her and 
And I said, so you think he might have not meant to do that? And she said, no, I don't think he did. That He had that look in his eye like, oops. And I'm like, you know, this is a, it was just crazy. So um, after that, we, they sent us on home. They wouldn't let us go to the house. And of course they didn't let us see him, but they wouldn't let us go to the house. And I told them, uh, make sure you lock it up and we'll go over there, you know, as soon as you let us know. Well, we got a call later saying that there was a bunch of people over there trying to clean Daniel's house. And I'm like, clean it. We haven't been over there. And her brother, which we didn't know at the time, he stood out there in the hall within uh, feet of the investigators and said that by law, we couldn't go back to that house till Hazmat had come in and cleaned it. And I thought, the officers was telling me this, you know, and uh, then later I called up there and he said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. The investigator did. And he told me to call JP and JP didn't know. <clears throat> and then I found out that it was her brother saying this. And then all these people were up there, you know, trying to clean it. And there was the whole cabinet full of cleaning supplies sitting there when we did go in. So it was just and individuals called, or was it a business that was cleaning? No, no, it, it was some of them. I don't know just who it was. Like, fr- like friends of hers or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we went to the hospital and, uh, of course, you know, I was crying, but I knew there were people around. And to come to find out, there was like at least three people that she knew. And that one on that videotape kept calling her and telling her what was being said. Like he called and told her, when they called us to the chapel and all that. So, um, I forgot where I was at on that. That's okay. Don't worry. We do that all the time. (laughs) Story of my Uh, life. (laughs) Well, it's, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, please don't worry. Um, You were talking about the hospital and how she had friends uh, around with her that mm-hmm. people she knew is what you said people, yes and it was people. right before that oh okay sorry <laughs> um, so, anyway she had blood you know on her hands and on her arms and when she was telling me this she was right up in my face with her hands and I finally realized that you know blood was on her and I said is that Daniel's and she said yes and she just smiled you know like in she didn't have a tear at all, but like she was happy that I seen it. That's so weird. Oh, okay. So then um, we called up, we called her and told her we had to go speak to the detectives. And would she bring Daniel's phone? She took Daniel's phone. She wouldn't let us have it that uh, right after it and bring, you know, everything else she had up there. Well, she had his Durango. And uh, she said, you're not going to let me keep nothing. And I said, well, let's get through the funeral and then we'll go, you know, over everything. Because really, in fact, he owed like $23,000 on the Durango. And if if we had went and done the proper thing, you know, and signed things over, if she was interested in it, you know, we might have done that. <clears throat> and she started telling me she owned everything that he had. And um, Benny had went over there 
um, that's my husband, had went over there with uh, some of our family. And she had called and was cussing him. So they told me, and I said, well, don't get her upset. So I called her back, and I said, you know, all we're wanting to do is, you know, get his stuff. And uh, she said she owned everything. I mean, everything was hers. And I said, I'm not trying to get nothing, you know, that's yours. You, um, I'm just, you know, I don't care at that point. I, you know, I didn't care at all. But I didn't want her going over there. You know, we hadn't had it cleaned or anything. And um, anyway, there was appeared to be a struggle in the house. And it was noted on the reports that there wasn't any photographs to, taken of the of what all had been done. So the only photograph in the living room was um, where you could see an overturned table that one of the investigators had his briefcase sitting on. <coughs> so that's all you could see of that. They didn't collect anything. They didn't collect her bloody clothes. They didn't collect. There was uh, ashtrays on the coffee table that was full of cigarette butts and uh, cups and everything. You know, they didn't collect anything. And uh, then I'm trying to look at my notes because I'm getting all off of it. So when we went up there uh, in a few days and I asked, the officers, I said, did you see the piece of scalp that was in Daniel's living room, which from where he was at at the end of the hall, we were trying to get it to our head how it ended up because it would have had to done like a 90 degree angle, you know, for it to be shot in there. But they looked at each other like they had no idea what I was talking about. And I said, well, I took photographs, but I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, take measurements and neither did they. They moved the gun, and there were several things that had been moved that, we, you know, I was questioning at the time. And all they would do was tell me to let them do their job. And uh, it was just, you know, like I said, it was just one part after another. Um, so it sounds, like the, it sounds like the investigators just quickly – decided that it was a suicide and they didn't treat it like a crime scene. Right. Right. Because see, I didn't talk. I, I did talk to the uh, medical examiner, maybe the end of 2009. Cause you know, it took me a while to get all this. And when I first started listening to the interview tapes and I see her asking for Daniel's wallet and the credit cards in his name, right at the beginning before he asked her any questions and that just blowed my mind you know right. how do you do this yeah. um it, it was just really crazy and then she admitted you know that there was a large sum of, of money missing and then on through the years i mean stuff has just dropped in my lap i had a man that had laid carpet that had talked to daniel that um he said that daniel knew that she was getting his money but, and he says, well, I hate to ask, but why is she still here? And he said, because she can get very violent and stuff. So, you know, like this, I didn't know all that at, at that time. 
Right. So that was someone who came to lay some carpet in Daniel's house, and yeah, he told them that he was having those issues with her. Yes, he did. Okay. And he, the investigators would keep saying, you know, if you have anybody with firsthand information, just tell them to come to us. Well, I didn't know. We didn't know who was at the bars. We didn't know, know any of them, you know. And uh, then... There was a prop, her property was boxed up in the living room and all that, uh, Daniel had a, um, it was like one of those books that you can open up and, you know, like a safe and it was in there and I knew it was Daniel's because we had went up there like a few days before when, when he got his 401k, he owed us like $500 and he gave us eight because his daddy was fixing us go to Tennessee to see his sick grandma. And uh, she had put that in there. But everything else was like she was packing out, you know, to leave. And uh, curio cabinet was emptied out. And we had just been over there the day before. And I made a comment about how pretty it looked, you know, with a light shining down on these, um, like, antique plates and stuff, you know. So all that stuff was emptied out. And then she went back up to uh, Daniel's house right after the interview and uh, was getting his stuff. She got his laptop. She got pull sticks. She got jewelry. And we don't know what else because it was bags full. And, uh, you know, when I asked for, you know, stuff back that I knew, and she got his favorite lighters, he collected uh cigarette lighters (coughs) excuse me and so she you know she got some of that stuff and we just couldn't couldn't get over all the stuff that was going on at the time and uh the and you know the investigator told us it'd be whatever the autopsy ruled and first time i called her the medical examiner was because it took me a while, but once I could look at Daniel's pictures, I could see bruises on his arms. I could see bruises on his chest. And, you know, the bruises on his arm was like somebody, you know, had a hold of him. And I called up there and I said, um, can you tell me about these bruises? The They wasn't in any of the uh, reports and they wasn't on the autopsy. And she said, uh, I don't know. I didn't do the autopsy. I'll have to go pull it. It was a uh, resident that had done the autopsy. So she went and pulled them. And a few days later, she called me back. She said, I agree. She said, there are uh, bruises in different stages of healing. And I said, well, how do I go about getting those, you know, the autopsy photos showing me the bruises? And she said, told me that she would... uh, uh, have him subpoenaed by the JP, and that's what I did, and <clears throat> he got me those, and I don't understand why any of that wasn't, you know, done, right. but she told me, and then years later, because I didn't have any money, so I was just, um, whoever would help me, you know, was going over it, and I had some pretty good experts went over it, and 
when I when the last one gave me his report, we talked to her, and uh, <coughs> she told me that the autopsy could not prove that Daniel shot himself. She said that it was either in his mouth or very close to his mouth, but they could not tell who shot or who pulled the trigger. And he had, I don't remember what they call it, soot on his left finger, and he was right-handed. And she said that 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 could have been from him holding the barrel or, you know, setting it down or whatever. And Rebecca's stories go, you know, just all different ways on those interviews. And she and the medical examiner said that they could not go, they could not uh, go by anything except what they found. And then they went by the investigative report, which was done at four something that morning. And all it was was a very short thing. And she gave a lot of the information. And I asked uh, the detective, I said, Where did you get this information from? And he'd say, From Rebecca. And I'm like, Okay, you know, because I knew it was partly lies. <coughs> and uh, anyway, she said, you know, it takes the totality of all of it. Well, the medical examiner, the one that signed off, she never seen any photographs. She never seen uh, anything that they'd done on the interviews, any anything at all other than the initial report that they had sent in. So that's when... She told me that, you know, she would suggest that I uh, get in touch with the DA, JP or whatever, and see if they would uh, um, talk to Maria again and then Jenny, you know, and start reopening it, you know. And then if they found anything to, or uh, anyway, to get it that it was, you know, something that they needed to look at, that they would look at everything on it. Well, that didn't happen. The, the DA does not want to talk to me. He won't even sit down with me. Said that they're standing by the ruling. And uh, that's it um, as far as them. Did they say why? Is it based on the gun shot, the gunpowder residue? Or what's their reasoning and on no, reopening it? No. Um, he's He told me that he had talked to, or the lady told me that works up there, that he had talked to several people on it, and she wouldn't tell me who. I'm sure it was the investigators. And uh, said that they would, unless they had new evidence, that they would not go just by um, witness testimony. And I'm like, it's not just the witness testimony I want, you know, want them to look at. I want them to look at the whole case because none of it was done right. And uh, she said, well, I'm... I'm sorry, and uh, I hope you can move forward. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am moving forward. This is this is me moving forward. That's right. what I'm doing. It might have took, took me nearly 14 years, but, and I always felt, you know, kind of like now, I, I don't have the words to say. I'm not, you know, I don't have any kind of law experience or, or anything like that. But, I mean, they had me thinking completely. That I didn't know know anything because every time I try to question them, you know, and one of them would say, "Now, Miss Underwood," and then the other one would say, "I asked him about how he made a determination about how Daniel fell, and the gun was under his feet, broke open, like uh, 
somebody was trying to eject the shell and he got real rude and he told me, he said, are you trying to say we didn't adequately investigate the case? And I said, no, sir. I mean, it made me sick to my stomach. I said, no, sir, I'm not. You know, I just thought maybe that they would go back and, you know, look a little bit more, but that was never done. You know, I recently um, I heard um, uh, someone talk about this, and I thought it was very appropriate for this, what we're talking about here, um, that cases are supposed to be treated as a homicide when there's uh, when someone is, you know, dies or is killed or with a gun, doesn't matter, knife, whatever. There is always supposed to be treated as a homicide and then proven to be a suicide. And I think that right. they handled it completely the opposite. They just said, oh, it's a suicide. So I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, that's the medical uh, examiner. That's what she said. If it comes in like a suicide or self-inflicted, that's usually the way they do, you know, very little investigation. And, and she, uh, Rebecca also had a, a recoil bruise on her thigh or leg. And uh, I had already asked them because I, we were told that she did. And I'd already asked them, did they see it? And then, you know, did they take pictures or whatever? And he told me, yes. Well, the only thing I ever seen that he done was he marked on his um, whatever he was writing on that day in the interview because uh, he asked her where it was at because she said it was there. And uh, he marked it where she said it. And then later on, like, I don't know, several years ago, something was said online and she's putting that bruise that was on my leg was from us making love the night before. I read and that. And I'm like, yeah. It's just uh, blows my mind. That's crazy. She, yeah, she was uh, trying to get with people, I mean, with, with that night and the next night, and just, it was crazy. Yeah, you know, her herself. And she was supposed to took a polygraph, and uh, she went, they went to Paris to, because uh, they had it set up. And she didn't show, and they called her, and uh, she said that she had changed her mind. She had talked to a lawyer or something and changed her mind. Huh. So she never did take it, but she told several people she took it and uh, passed with flying colors. Oh, wow. Huh. How long were Rebecca and Daniel together? Well, she didn't actually move in until July 4th weekend because my daughter had moved in too. She only stayed, my daughter only stayed like a week and a half because she couldn't put up with Rebecca. And, uh, but she did help move her and that was July 4th weekend. Okay. So just a and, couple of months that she lived there. Yes. Yes. How and long, nobody knew. How long prior to that, do you know how long they were together before? Before? <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I know that there was some things that come up with the end of June that she was playing poker because see, he had been divorced and, uh, well, he was, he just went through his third marriage, but he, he was divorced, but he had already, uh, what do you say? Moved on, I guess. Cause he had been telling us about this, uh, real sweet girl in Paris that, um, that he had met. And then his ex second ex-wife, they were going to go ahead and try to get back together because they, you know, they had a child too, the youngest one. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they were going to get back together and he was going to make her leave is what uh, the ex-wife had told us. And uh, he had asked Stacy, that's my daughter, if uh, she would come back over there and stay because he he was going to move back into their house out in Chautilla. Um, and he didn't know if they would keep the one in town or, you know, whichever one he would end up doing in which she get there so it wouldn't be, you know, just empty after he moved her out. But uh, it was just, uh, you know, and like when, when she was cussing us out, she was saying so much and I was crying. So I helped phone up some of it. So I didn't hear every bit she told me, but she did tell me like she got 4000 something dollars for her daughter talking about out of Daniel's 401k and uh, later on at the house I did find a uh, like she owed child support that was just barely over $4,000 she didn't her mama raised her oldest and uh, the daddy of the two youngest raised the the youngest ones and she had left one of them on their birthday. They were real small. I don't remember if it was two or four or something like that. And the other one was just a baby. And she'd left them the day of the birthday. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I know that, that uh, there's been a lot of talk about the bank account and, um, mm -hmm. and, and you know, Daniel's money and uh, her, her taking some money. Did they share a bank account or did she have her own? No, no, I, I got in touch with the bank and she did not, she didn't, wasn't any kind of signer or anything in the bank. <coughs> okay. So she, she had her uh, own, she had her own bank account. Uh, cause I know oh, I don't, I, no, I don't, I don't think she did. I think she just mooched off Daniel the whole time. Wasn't there something to do with the, uh, that, that, that they, he had logged into his bank account right before this happened? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that was another thing he had, they said he had logged into the account and that was due to the fact that there was a ashtray and a lit cigarette. So they knew he had done it, mm -hmm. but on the crime scene pictures, it doesn't show an ashtray where they said it was, it doesn't show any lit cigarette. The only thing that's sitting there is her brands of cigarettes and a, uh, I think it was a Coke can because she all drank whiskey in her Coke and Daniel didn't drink nothing but beer. And uh, so it was like, okay, where did this go and why did it get moved before, you know, the pictures was took right? or the photographs and they had moved, you know, stuff around and, even you know the gun the gun should have been i understand them moving the gun and um but why was it not marked or noted that they moved the gun and where they put it because it's not exactly the same place um they i had requested the records and then it took me until i can't remember if it was 2012 or 13 before there was 20 that was missing and we i kept telling them you know um, my investigator that I thought there was some pictures missing and the first responder, one of the first responders had took 20 and uh, it showed him in the hall and uh, you could see where the gun was and you could see the um, some articles in that 
front bedroom. And then on the other pictures that they took later, it's all moved. You know, it's been all moved. No documentation of anything. That is so frustrating. I just, it's like, what can you do, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and she gave multiple reports. I, I asked, the, after I finally got the records and we watched the videos, I asked what the detective thought about, you know, her stories. And he said they were, there was no major inconsistencies. And I'm like, how are you saying that? One right. time she's saying he bent over the gun. I think that was when he was saying nothing. The other time she says he stood up. The gun went off. They were six inches face to face. And then she said once that she thought he was setting the gun down. I mean, it couldn't have happened all them ways. Right, you know? right. There's and you would have thought red flags would have been coming up everywhere, but they just acted like I was, you know, a grieving mother. And I was grieving, you know. Of course. But. Right. Now, at this time, you know, I, I'm, of course, you know, I have memories and and I think back and ever so often, you know, I, I just let it go. But it's not like I'm thinking about it all the time. You know, I have a sense of humor. I like to laugh. And now it's just I feel like, you know, I've got to put it out there. And if they're not going to do it, you know, if they're not going to reopen, I want people to know. Right. What they had me thinking I was crazy by all the stuff I was asking them. It wasn't crazy, you know. Right. Do you, we heard from Jenny. Um, uh-huh. We know, you know, Jenny um, Perry. I, she, I do now, yeah. Yeah, she was saying that um, Rebecca had told her she was having affairs with some of the police officers in Sulphur Springs, and she's claimed yeah. to be an informant. Did you hear anything like that anywhere besides from Jenny? Well, on one of the tapes, uh, she gets upset because I asked the detective, I said, <coughs> why does she refer to you as her good friend and then, you know, his name? And she would do it like an air quotes, smiling. Sometimes she would wink over and over about this stuff. And I said, why does she do this? So on the second interview, I guess, because he only done really two, besides the one at the crime scene, and and that didn't, you know, he didn't even get to that point. But uh, he was all over her about that. It's like, I don't care what was going on. I just wanted a real investigation, you know. Um, But... For her to be saying it like that over and over, you know, it just was like, why? But then on the videos, you know, she says she gave him tips and he said he had talked to her on some cases or whatever. But I'm like, you know, it's possible. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what was said on the on the video from the police department. So it's most so she was apparently giving them tips on drug cases. I have no idea. She okay. worked mostly when, when she did work. She worked in, in the clubs and stuff. Okay. She played, I, and then I say work, she did work some, and then she played a lot of poker and stuff. So she was a, you know, Randall artist. Okay. And stuff. Okay. That makes sense. 
wow, this case is just incredibly heartbreaking. We're so sorry for everything you've been through. And I know this is not easy talking about all this, even though it's been a while, it's still very difficult. I'm sure. Um, Is there anything that we can do to help? I mean, obviously we want to help raise awareness for the case, which is why we're doing a couple of episodes on this. We might do a third one. Um, We're hoping to get Maria to come on. Um, That would be really good. Um, (coughs) What's something that, that we can help with? Well, I don't know. If I knew, I'd be doing it. Right, um, right, right. You know, <laughs> right I went with you. To, to the JP, and it's a different JP. And the one uh, when Daniel got killed was just as nice as he could be. Mm-hmm. And then this is a, a different one. Okay. And uh, he's nice. He listened to us. He was probably in there an hour, hour and a half. But he thinks he doesn't have any... Um, thing that he can do except civil, which he could. He could actually um, request it or he could review it again, you know, what do you call it? Um, mm-hmm. Open the inquest again. Right, right. But he he called the um, uh, medical examiner and asked her if she'd done another autopsy. Would that, you know, show any difference? And she said no. But she said I was plain, you know, as far as uh, it depend. It's not all autopsy. It is autopsy, and I cannot prove on by the autopsy that Daniel pulled that trigger. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it takes the investigative report too, and that's it, basically what she said. She told the DA too was that uh, that they went by that. So does, you know, so does his death certificate say undetermined or does it say suicide? No, no, it says suicide. Wow. Because that's that's the way it, I mean, and, and this was within um, two or three days when they got the, uh, what is it, pulmonary, I can't even say it. But anyway, when they got that. Yeah. That said it, and like I said, there there was a a student, really, that, that performed Daniel's autopsy. Gosh. And uh, yeah, and then the the higher ups, you know, would sign off. And uh, you would, I, I'm pretty sure they have some kind of ethics code that they go by that that um, you know prohibits them from if if they don't believe that something is a certain way that they shouldn't be able to put it on the death certificate, which is the whole point mm-hmm. of of having um, you know having the undetermined option. So right, right. But, you know, and we have another thing, too, about our medical examiners not here in our district. So it's not like not that they can't send in their investigators to come down here, which would have been done, you know, around Dallas and whatever um, area. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so... You know, they like I said, they went by that initial report, and that initial report was there was nothing in it, which they they hardly done anything anyway. Mm-hmm. I would ask them about certain things, and I asked them. I I actually asked them uh, one thing. We kept getting, or maybe my daughter kept getting messages from this lady that said this woman that she worked for uh, that there was a man there that was going kind of crazy 
because he was afraid they were going to ask him questions or something. And I went in there, or I told him, I told him, I said, you know, you, I know you can't go by what the first one's telling or the second one, but go, you know, to him, you know, like firsthand, because that's what he would always say, firsthand information. And they called and he just said that uh, he went one way and then he went the other way. And then they, uh, one of Daniel's friends, his fiance, um, Rebecca was there within a night or two of staying over there. And uh, <coughs> he said, Rebecca told him uh, two, three, or I don't remember if it's two, three or three, four different stories, but she, she said that they were fighting over the gun. And the investigator said, well, you know, if you know anybody firsthand that uh, has talked to her, you know, or, or talked to her right after, and he says, this is firsthand. And it still just kind of went in and out. That's right. so weird. I don't understand. Yeah, this is unbelievable. So thank you so much, Donna, for being on and sharing this story with us. And we are going to make sure that we get this all over social media and try to draw attention to our episodes and other episodes that have been done on this in the case in the past. And mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you wanted our listeners to know? Well, and I do appreciate it, but, uh, you know, I just think there's a big disconnect as far as the, the medical examiners and the investigators. Once the, the investigators have photos have their reports and have their videos and whatever that then they should get back to the medical examiner right. not use just that one you know and, and that's where i think a big disconnect is on that right. because uh, you know it's uh it's it's not autopsy dependent the ruling it's it's all of it you know right. and it's got to have every bit of it and like you said a while ago about, you know, it should have been investigated to its full extent. And then if it showed suicide, okay, you know, um, and I could, I could just be, you know, never brought this up at all. You know, as far as a suicide, it, you know, I would have hated it, but it wouldn't have been something that I would have been ashamed or nothing. And so, for me to start even saying anything, you know, I don't like talking in public. Um, you know, I'd rather talk to just, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, but I just feel like, you know, Daniel needed a proper investigation. Yeah, absolutely. It's horrible. So we definitely agree with everything you've said that it seems to us like this needs to be reopened. It doesn't sound like they looked into it enough no absolutely not especially with um information from jenny and and everybody yeah and and there is another one i've never uh, mentioned that so jenny's not the only one that she's made some of the same thing about shooting oh, wow. wow there's even more um people she's confessed mm -hmm. to that's crazy yeah it's it's a different story but she's still said that she did it so and we're going to tell maria the roommate's story on our next episode and we're hoping that she'll join us for that but if we can't if we can't get in touch with her we'll just do our third episode on on that 
Yeah. Without her, oh, but we're hoping okay. she'll come on. But uh, yeah, if you um, get in touch with me, I'll see if I can get a hold of her. Okay. Yeah, we really appreciate that. We well, I hope you feel better. I hear you've got a little cough. Hope that you. Get, yeah, you I know it. I think the cough and my train of thoughts kind of. We're all been having allergies here. My son's at home mm-hmm. right now with them. So, well, listen. Thank you so much for being on. We want to do everything we can to honor Daniel and his case, and we're so sorry that you've been through this, and then to not have it. You know, to, to have those feelings of it being improperly investigated on top of the grief we're very very sorry right well thank you thank you you know and i never wanted to say anything i just wanted them to do it i didn't want to bring a lot of this stuff out into the open but you know because i respect the law enforcement my husband was in law enforcement you know for a good while but it's like if you didn't do it right you know right We're, we're the same way we we, we support the police, but we understand that there are times when things aren't done correctly and it needs to be brought to someone's attention. So, mm-hmm. Yes, you've mm-hmm. been very patient, Donna. So, 14 years is a long time. So, yes. Well, thank, right. thank you again for being on, Donna, and we look forward to talking to you again soon, and hopefully we'll have you back on when there's better news about this investigation, too. Okay. Thank you Thank very you, much. Donna. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Yeah.